I think the thing that we all do really well together is take a live show, transfer it, and make it look good for television. These things, we're usually doing seven cameras. So I have seven points of view. They're all distinctly different. They're looking at everything all the time. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talk About the Industry. Today, my guest is the fantastic, wonderful Todd Clark. Todd Clark is primarily a lighting designer and stage manager for the corporate live event and theatrical industries. He attended North Carolina School of the Arts and, in 1986, began his career as the lighting director and master electrician for North Carolina Dance Theater. In 1987, he transitioned to Hubbard Street Dance Chicago as the lighting director and finished in 2001 as the production manager, stage manager, and lighting director. While at Hubbard Street, he also freelanced, working as a lighting designer for various dance and theater companies around the country. Upon leaving Hubbard Street, he began working in the corporate and live event industry, first as a lighting designer and then moving into stage management, technical direction, and producing. In the last 20 years, he has done auto shows, rock shows, orchestra music, live surgical demos, acrobatic demos, a live jazz radio play, product reveals, awards shows, live television, trade shows, beauty pageants, parkour shows, New Year's Eve celebrations, birthday parties, children's choirs, shows with dogs and shows with horses. So yes, dog and pony shows, big bands, drag shows, and every type of dance show except clogging. Throughout all those years, he has worked with HMS Media in Chicago on 15 television specials for PBS and won four Chicago Midwest Emmy Awards for lighting. He is currently in development on two projects for HMS Media and learning how to properly type while waiting for our industry to get back to the business of making people happy. Welcome, Todd Clark. How are you? I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm really happy that you're here. I When I had the idea for this podcast, one of the first people I thought of was you. You've got such great, such a great perspective on the industry, and we have such a long-standing relationship. And you have done so much for me in my career, and so I, you know, it's only natural for me to say we should bring Todd on and and have him uh, tell his story. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here, and uh, thanks. That was great. I think we should wrap it up there because I'll just screw it up. No, I'm not asking. Oh, man. Uh, I want to start with how you sort of define yourself. Oftentimes, people will stay in the industry for a number of years and they'll specialize in one specific thing. But you are you are really good at rising to a role when you need to be. And what that's done for you is, you know, you you are, are a lighting designer, you're a lighting director, you're a show caller you're a technical director, you're a producer, you're a production manager, you know, you have all of these, uh, all of these great skill sets. And they all come, uh, it, it, to me, it seems like they all come from being in a position where that skill set was needed, and you just sort of stepped into that role. How do you introduce yourself to people, uh, you know, as far as telling them what you do? Depends on who's standing in front of me. But yeah, you know, I, I consider myself you know, first a lighting designer. Yeah. Um, that's what I love to do. That's what I started doing. That's, yeah. you know, and everything sort of else, everything else sort of grew out of that, right? Yeah, um, sure. It seems to me a lot of lighting designers uh, turn into production managers. Yeah, uh, particularly in dance. It, yeah, uh, maybe because we're the first in uh, in the morning and the last out. 
you get to see you, you you're involved in you know from the top to the bottom of a day so yeah, yeah i consider yeah i'm a, i'm a lighting guy um you know they say they they say you know i know a little bit about a lot of things and i i, I kind of know a medium amount of stuff about a medium amount of things those things <laughs> sure. just all happen to to work well together yeah and then you know my my transition uh later into stage managing calling shows uh sort of runs along the same track as being a lighting designer yeah i like to support people telling stories you know yeah. a lot of us get into that uh get into this business for just that and you know stories are told theater dance lighting uh you can you can do it in a corporate show you can do it in a sales meeting you know it's yeah. a it's a it's an idea that you're trying to get across to lots of people yeah i like themes as well you know groups of people working towards the same goal you yeah. win together you lose together i think that's what really moved me into stage management i also like being in charge so well, <laughs> there you go well it suits you i every time you've you've been uh in charge on headset I think we've all felt um, confident that we were going to get where we needed to be easily and uh, or if not easily, at least uh, confidently. <laughs> so early in my career, somebody told me, hey, uh -huh. stage managers don't run because if someone sees you running, uh, there's a problem. <laughs> and that's, you're the last person that ever needs to be seen running. Yeah, <laughs> which works in works in well with my basic physical being right now so, yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't think many of us aren't uh, aren't running right now <laughs> yeah no no running oh man so how okay so how did you get into into this uh into this story of being in production and live events no nah, you know i i i grew up in the in the mid-70s and in, in uh florida uh mm -hmm. not a very artistic background uh yep. not a lot of theater and dance and the orchestra stuff in, in our household but you know mom and dad listened to classical music and jazz and and uh you know my dad was in construction he built big buildings yeah and uh he flew model airplanes and and his airplanes always look great the paint yeah. job the detail uh so i sort of just fell into this sort of way to look at things, how things are constructed, oh, okay. how things uh, need to look right. If you're going to take time to build it, take time mm -hmm. to paint it well. Uh, so, yeah, it's just sort of, that's my, that's been my mentality. That's been the way I think for, for a long time. Yeah, that makes sense. But I got into the business really, because uh, I was driving my mom crazy, you know, as a, <laughs> As a high school kid in the summertime with nothing to do, uh, mm -hmm. I was driving her mad. So she, uh, my sister's dance teacher, uh, was a choreographer for the Florence Little Theater in uh, Florence, South Carolina. Okay. And uh, she, uh, she was over the house playing bridge one day and my mom says, Can, do you have a job for him? Can you get him out of here? He's driving me nuts. <laughs> and lo and behold, she says, yeah, we, we need people to work backstage. Come on down. <laughs> so, uh, that, that's what I did. Having never stepped in a theater, having never really understood, uh, what, what, you know, a play was, I was a sports guy, played baseball. So yeah, off I went backstage. Uh, I guess the first show I did was in 1978. It was My Fair Lady. Wow. And, uh, 
I was on the stage crew and yeah. uh, I, I walked in, I think it probably, if I recall it, it's a long time ago. Sure. It was um, a, a scene change and a, a, a wall flew in and yeah. a group of people went over and turned it and then they did this yeah. thing with a rope and then the next thing I know, it was like a, a real wall standing there in a room. <laughs> and I said, I, I want to learn how to do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I pretty much never, never left backstage. I think everyone's had a moment like that uh, where you sort of realize how, uh, how different how it, you know, the final product is from getting it there on stage. You know, it's such a neat realization of like, oh, like, holy shit, this, this is complicated, you know, and cool. Right. Right. Yeah. Also, you know, I was, I was kind of a, a shy kid growing up, probably yeah. still am, but when, you know, when things settled and I started meeting people backstage mm -hmm. and, you know, they, they, they were, you know, all sorts of different types of people, tall, small, blue, orange. Yeah, I mean, just a diversity of people that I'd yeah. not really ever been involved with, but they all mm -hmm. just almost immediately accepted you and talked to you. And, and yeah. it was, it was fantastic, you know? Yeah. So, that's a great feeling. Yeah. So, you know, the old saying is everybody's blue backstage. Doesn't matter where you come from. Once the work <laughs> lights go on, you're blue. <laughs> yeah yeah i like that i like that part how old were you when when that happened because you eventually went to ncsa but did you do some community theater in the meantime yeah i i think i started when i was i think 78 uh, well, well i was 16 right okay so yeah yeah obviously that's why my mom wanted to kill me and get me out of the house so, <laughs> so yeah i did I, I did a few shows there i can't remember any of them Mm -hmm. sure. uh, my senior year of high school, we moved, you know, we're singing the world for a senior in high school is we moved to a new city. Oh, good. Uh, but you know, straight to the theater. Yeah. Yeah. was a happy place. Yeah. Uh, we were in Charlotte, North Carolina. I started working for the community theater there. Oh, great. Uh, finished high school and dad said, where are you going to go to college? And I said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And he says, okay, you got to do something. It's like, well, if I went to college, I don't know what I want to do. I'd just be wasting your money. And he couldn't argue with that. <laughs> he couldn't argue with that. So uh, I spent, uh, out of high school, I spent two years working uh, at uh, Eckers Warehouse driving a forklift loading trucks, which are skills that would later come back into my career. So what? Yeah. not totally wasted. And again, the whole time doing that, I was also doing community theater. Yeah, sure. Started working at a summer theater, uh, Central mm -hmm. Piedmont Community College Summer Theater, uh, four musicals a, a year and a kid's show. Uh, much like uh, Music Theater of Wichita, except uh, not as good. But <laughs> it, it was great. And uh, just immersed myself. And one day the stage manager said, hey, you should think about getting some real training. And, yeah. uh, he turned me on to, to North Carolina school of the arts. Yeah. Which serendipitously was, uh, was, and is a fantastic program. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. So I went up, I auditioned, uh, got in mm -hmm. mid year, 1982. Okay. Um, during school, I kept coming back sh to Charlotte and working, yeah. uh, summer theater. I worked a year, um, at, a. a Care, I think I worked two years at Carowinds at in their music venue, the Palladium, doing rock and roll oh, show. Oh, great, yeah. great. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I learned uh, I learned how to uh, change carbons in a carbon arc pretty well because I was Oof. one of the follow spot operators, and yeah. I didn't know you had to base your spot cues on how long the carbons lasted. Because <laughs> they oh, only wow. really last for twenty minutes if you if a well trimmed spot. Yeah. So yeah, it's like hmm. You can't have wow. all your spots up during this song and 20 minutes in because they're going to one at a time start rolling out on you. So, <laughs> you know, little things. Yeah. Little things as we go. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, also along there during in school, I started working at Central City Opera, uh, which mm. was really my first, like, professional, professional job that I got on my own. Yeah. And uh, I worked for two two lighting designers, Don Darnetzer mm. and uh, Peter Kazarowski. Both had different styles. Yeah. Both, you know, you just assisting you, you learn, you just learn. Yeah. Yeah. You learn so much just watching good people work. So, uh, talk to me about your, your lighting professors, uh, at that time. I know you said you've had, you had four lighting teachers in four years, right? I think on the surface that could be a bad thing, but, uh, it sounds like it wasn't actually. Yeah. So I, I, I got into NCSA 82, uh, midterm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing a lot of catching up. Uh, yeah, four four distinctly different types of teacher in four years. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, you know, Michael Watson was was in my first year. He was pure design man. He just yeah. he 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 saw it. He made it up. He executed it. Yeah. Uh, the second year, Scott Templin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had had careers all over the place, primarily at Disney or in the early years. Okay. And, uh, he taught me a, a super practical way, super yeah. practical way to do stuff. The way they, they said it was like, we're going to teach you a way of lighting, not the way of lighting. Yeah. Uh, thir- third year, Jim Houlihan, he was, he was, a uh, a designer, but a really practical production electrician. He, he taught me, you know, uh, you know, when you're, you're doing a light plot. You have to, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't do you any good if you can't hang it. Yeah. Yeah. Every minute that you're hanging a plot, you're not focusing or cueing. And the whole point of all of that is get to the table and cue. Yeah. That, yeah. That's where the creativity is. Everything before that is, is function. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then, uh, Jim Hobbs, was my fourth year. Uh, Jim Hobbs was the philosopher. Uh, <laughs> sure. You would ask him a question, he'd tell you a story. Yeah, so I got a wide, wide range of stuff. Yeah. Back in the day, it was considered a, uh, you know, technical, not not technical school, it was a design school. But, yeah, yeah, we learned how to do things. We could, you know, we learned, and we did lots of shows. Yeah, We didn't do a lot of in-class stuff. We did lots of shows. Um, So you learn how to do things. But the thing that that I learned is how to see things. Mm, you know okay. how to do okay. things. First time I really learned how to collaborate with people. Yeah, and you know you also you learn how to fight for your ideas if you needed to. You know. Yeah, yeah. Collaboration is always better, but but you know one and one makes three. But you know sometimes you have a you have an idea and you've got to stand behind it. Yeah, Michael Downs and I were talking about that. I, I think it's something that's often missed, particularly by younger designers and students. You know, uh, uh, good collaboration doesn't mean that you just uh, fold and accept somebody else's idea. Good collaboration means that there's, you know, it's going to involve a little bit of conflict, hopefully respectful conflict, right? But, you know, the idea of collaboration is that, the you know, the best idea gets to win. 
And that might be your idea, but it's not going to win if you are tentative when you're trying to, uh, you know, if you're afraid of, of conflict and if you're, uh, and if you're afraid of sort of defending uh, your stance. Yeah, I think, yeah, the best idea wins, but I, often I find that the best ideas is the, the consensus that the group comes up with. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you get a giraffe instead of a horse. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, but most of the time, you know, it's just what, what can, what can we all do together? Yeah. So we, we, we did a lot, of, we did a lot of shows there, but we took, you know, took classes that at the time I wasn't really sure what it had to do with, uh, yeah. with lighting. Like his history of decor was right after lunch. And it was between a ton of stuff. And it's like, ah, mm-hmm. I'm going to go learn about the difference between, you know, ionic columns and, <laughs> and I don't columns. even know the other <laughs> columns, right? I didn't know. You know yeah, and then, yeah. and then we had a, a color and design class, which was taught by uh, Pam Chapman. She was a, she was a commercial artist. Oh. And we were we were certain that she didn't know anything about theater, and yeah. and I pushed back, and you know I I did what I was supposed to do, uh, you know in the exercises, mm-hmm. but you know, dumb kid, I uh-huh. use her stuff every single day. Every time <laughs> I think about design of anything, yeah. it comes back to the stuff we were learning by cutting pictures out and pasting them to Pantone. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hate to say it, but yeah, it's, you know, there are lots of people out there smarter than you are. <laughs> yeah, that's a good lesson to learn, period. Yeah, exactly. I hear what you're saying. I, I think particularly those of us in production, uh, uh, and I, I have this conversation with, uh, with Marissa a lot, my fiance. Uh, I'll see a billboard or something that is just stupid or, you know, it's designed poorly or the the... Uh, the slogan is dumb or mildly offensive or whatever, or it has nothing to do with the product. And I'll look at it and I'll, th- I always go to like, who was in the meeting where that was okayed? You know, like I always go back to the process of design and how it got there. Right. And I, uh, to me, that comes from being in an industry where, you know, every project we do involves collaboration and involves, you know, input from multiple people. Yeah, sometimes before you print it, you want to give it to somebody to look at that's never seen it before. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It sounds like you uh, NCSA really uh, gave you a lot of good prep to um, uh, to to have a career in this industry. Yeah, and it, you know, and it it transitioned me to my first first uh, first job out of school. That's where Laurel comes in here, right? Yeah, you know, uh, NCSA had a theater called the Stevens Center, it's a roadhouse mm-hmm. downtown, and North Carolina Dance Theater uh, was based in Winston Salem. Uh, it started out. Uh, Bobby Lindgren was the artistic director for years, and yeah. baby, they were a touring company. They yeah. toured everywhere. Yeah, it came into the Stevens Center. Yeah, I was the ME. Laurel Shoemaker was the LD. Gotcha. And uh, she had been replacing the previous uh, electrician LD mm-hmm. who uh, left. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were on tour and they, uh, they wrecked the truck. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They were in Florida, rolled the truck, went into the swamp. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't make this up. We wrecked the truck and it rolled into a swamp. <laughs> and it rolled into a swamp and they fished it out. And the show business story of that was they they didn't miss a show. <laughs> they were riding. They had a tour bus and a 
tractor trailer and the tour bus. They grabbed as many costumes as they could out of the back of it, threw it in the tour bus, and off they went. <laughs> uh, and they didn't yeah. miss a show. They had two shows left before they got to a break. Wow. wow. So, yeah, so she was she was uh, basically walked into uh, a, a show on fire. Yeah. So we did a show. We met. Um, and that was the beginning of, you know, close to a 30 year relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So left school. Yeah. Went back out to central city opera, did a summer there. Yeah. Uh, and then got a job at North Carolina dance theater. So, and thus began your touring life. My touring life began. Yes. Uh, you know, I call it, I touring is the finishing school of all finishing schools. Yeah. Once you hit the road, you learn everything. Mm -hmm. uh, you use everything you've ever learned and you learn everything you ever need. You know, it's, it's just a fire hose of stuff coming at you. Yeah. And an, and an eight o'clock show you got to hit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was a, it was, it was, a, it was, it was a good time for me. It was exactly what I needed. I needed to immerse myself. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, Salvatore Aiello was the, the artistic director, okay, uh, guy did just just beautiful work, beautiful beautiful work, and uh, n not difficult to work with, yeah. Uh, but just you know knew what he wanted to see, but right. also knew that you know I was working with a lighting rig that uh, six months before was in a swamp, <laughs> yeah. So we you know we you know we we had to learn things we had to learn things <laughs> together yeah that's one way to put it <laughs> yeah yeah that year we went so dance theater had a, a lighting rig they had all their own equipment okay sure. um so you'd go in you'd load it in you'd use your stuff great way to tour yeah. dance companies don't often do that they often use house gear mm, but yeah because the stuff had been it was old already when it and then it, then it ended up in a swamp it just kept breaking <laughs> Yeah. You know, dimmer ballast would fall out of the dimmers and short out the rack. And Oof. so we finished up the first half of that year using our side lights patched, our side light towers patched into house gear and whatever okay. we could get uh, overhead. Yeah, sure. Got us to Christmas break. And then, that, you know, then we bought some dimmers. That was the first package I put together, built yeah. a dimmer rack. Yeah. Uh, that skill would come in handy later. Yeah. Uh, and then off we went and we just, we just went everywhere. We just went everywhere. That's great. Um, I think it's Ira Glass has a quote where he's, and he's actually talking about writing, but he has this great quote from a few years back where he essentially says, there's no substitute for doing a lot of work. And if you're doing anything creative, you just have to do as much work as you can. And, uh, you know, you start with really killer taste uh, and a sensibility for it, but particularly when you're starting out, you know, every project you do it, like it's almost good or it could be good, you know? And for me, I found that statement to be true, uh, in every aspect of my life and every skill set, every creative endeavor, but also particularly for touring, you learn the skill set in undergrad, many of us do, or working in a shop or whatnot. And then when you hit the road, there's no, and I've said this for years, there's no substitute for just doing a lot of shows. You think you know what you're doing, yeah. and the road will tell you that you don't. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of bad houses out there. There are a lot of great yeah. houses out there. But the yeah. thing that you find is most, even in a bad theater, most of the people want to do the same thing. They want to get to show up. Yeah. 
I had a lot of a lot of older guys helping me out, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. telling the story about the swamp, and they say, "Oh, okay, all right, let's let's get this done." Yeah, it, it was a forty-week contract. I know that specifically. It was the uh-huh. hardest forty weeks that I've done in a long time. But it's wow. probably the one thing that really stuck with me, sticks with me to this day. Yeah, my last couple of shows yeah. uh, at the Stevens Center. We were doing some Lar Lubavitch work. Yeah. And an Alyssa Monte work mm-hmm. that was designed by Craig Miller. Oh, okay. Sure. We had to set the we had to set the lighting. Lar Lubavitch's stage manager is Maxine yeah. Glorsky. Yeah. She's seen it all, done it all. And yeah. back in those days, stage manager set the lighting. Yeah. The lighting director. So she had worked with Craig. So mm-hmm. Maxine came down and mm-hmm. uh, w- worked with us, putting putting those setting those pieces together. Sure, she's the person who taught me how to focus dance side lighting. Yeah, and uh, I I still focus it that way today. Yeah, uh, it just made so much sense. You know where to put the light. What what's the the architecture of the light? How does yeah. it? You know how does the shin relate to the high side? Right. It just clicked. It made a ton of sense. She was a good lighting person. She's a great stage manager. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's a legend. You know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot on that tour. Yeah. I learned how to ski in Vermont. I learned how to rappel uh, out of the grid in, uh, in Springfield. Wow. I learned how to drive a semi truck. I learned that I shouldn't drive a semi truck. <laughs> well, at least you didn't put her in a swamp. <laughs> uh, I didn't put her in a swamp. Yeah, I almost dropped the trailer off the back, but. Oof. When we get into that, I learned how to, to <laughs> fill out a police report in Chicago. Oof. Um, yeah, just so you know, new, useful stuff like that. So how? So then, what's the connection with Hubbard Street? Uh, did that come out of a relationship from North Carolina Dance Theater? Yeah, all my jobs have come out of a relationship with the job before. But yeah. you know, we were in we were in South Dakota, and okay. Uh, Dana Wellington was our, our carpenter yeah. uh, and he, he was carpenter slash production manager and truck driver. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, we're going to finish out and we're going to drive to Chicago tonight. And it was a part of the tour where we had, uh, three days off. Yeah. Our company manager got a great deal on a, a Chicago hotel and she decided that she wanted to see Chicago. So that's where we went. So we stayed there. All right. So we drove all night. Drove in, parked the the truck illegally, uh, <laughs> and uh, it got robbed. That's where I learned how to to fill out a police report. Oh man! But we we burned it all night to get there because yeah. he wanted to Dana wanted to see this little company called Harbor Street Dance Company. He had worked with them in Winston Salem the year before, had a relationship. Yeah, we went to see it, and it's like okay, this is where I want to be. Yeah. Uh, the lighting di- director position opened up yeah. and I got in, I got in. So. Well, now you were at Hubbard street for a number of years. Of course, I love talking about Hubbard street with you because, uh, you know, you spent years as a lighting director and then, you know, years later sort of helped train me into becoming the lighting director again in a, uh, you know, in a, in a different era. Um, but when you started, it was still, uh, Lou Conti's company. And you took over a, a rep plot from Bob Christian, right? I did. The first show I saw with them was at the Goodman Theater. Yeah. And uh, Bob Christian was the lighting director, designer for the Goodman yeah. Theater since the Goodman Theater, right? Right. And right. Uh, so, and he was also, mm-hmm. li- you know, lighting director at Harvard Street. 
I came into a system, I came into a light plot uh, that was so well thought out, so yeah. well designed, so compact. It was, it just did everything it needed to do except be big. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, they were a touring company. So yeah. the rep plot could fit into 60 dimmers. And wow. If the dance had specials, you could, you know, we ne- rarely had over 72 dimmers in a, yeah. in a rig. Back then, uh, you know, there was 100 lights in the thing. Right. The nice thing is it, it looked, you know, the, the typical opening back then was 40 feet wide, 22 feet high. Yeah. Four wings, black legs, border, white psych. Sure. That could fit into a tiny theater. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could go down to 35 feet. And it still looks good. Doesn't look tight. Or yeah. it could go into a big theater, you know, yeah. and you expand it up. And it didn't, it, it just, the, the plot just worked so well. The, mm-hmm. the way that it was put together, focused. And his design work uh, is still some of the best design work I've ever seen for dance. Yeah. Precise, simple. There's not any cue there that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. But every cue that needs to be there is there. It's a hard thing to say. You just have to you have to look at it. Yeah. But yeah. So I I I inherited. I walked into a great a great system. Way better than a rig that had just come out of a swamp. <laughs> yeah, it makes a difference. It makes a difference what you're handed uh, when you're the lighting director. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. In, indeed. I was lighting director there. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, I wanted to design, you know, yeah. I wanted to design everything, but I didn't, I didn't design a lot because at that point, uh, Lou was, was starting to expand and bringing in outside choreographers Yeah, and they all had relationships with lighting designers they like to use and, yeah. and Lou wanted that team. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't do a lot of designing and I didn't do a lot of assisting when I was young, Yeah, but when a designer would come into this little world of ours yeah i got to sort of assist yeah right i had to guide them through help them out i wanted to set them up to be successful but i also needed to make sure that they didn't laden me with a plot that needed you know 30 extra specials because it may look good today yeah but it ain't gonna look good in peoria (laughs) it was a nice you learn a lot by watching is how i did it yeah, yeah. That lighting director position is, is uh, I mean, it, it sounds like it did for you what it did for me, which is, you know, assisting you are, uh, and you've said this to me before, assisting, assisting a lighting designer, you're just an advocate. But as a lighting director, you're, you're not just advocating for the design, but you're also having to balance that based on what you can recreate on tour consistently with the company. So you play this middle ground where you're trying to support the designer and the creative team and help them get to the vision that they want. But also you can't, you know, nobody designs in a vacuum, right? So you're not just saying yes to everything. You're trying to guide them given the practicalities of your, uh, of your production as well, which is a tight, a tight rope to walk. Yeah. It's, um, being a lighting director, mm-hmm. I, I was also helping them, you know, the, some designers would come in and say, Hey, like how Binkley would say, yeah, what, what's the last thing that you designed? What was the last thing brought into the rep? What did it look like? Yeah. So, oh, well, you know, it was a, a straightforward jazz piece, had a warm stage, big blue psych. He says, all right, so we're going to do this against black because I want it to be different. Yeah. And that's just like, ah, ding, 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 mm-hmm. light in my head, bell went off, all that good stuff. Yeah. It's like, 
I'm not only trying to make each piece look good, I need to make the evening look good. And if I have, you know, and we were a rep company. So as much as from one dance to the next to the next could be different, Mm -hmm. the lighting had to also have a unique quality from one thing to the next to the next. Yeah. Without destroying the whole overall look and feel of a, of a Hubbard street show. So, yeah. you know, you look at a piece just for itself and then how does that fit mm-hmm. here to this piece? How does it fit next to this piece lighting? Right. And Lou, Lou Conti, uh, it's the same idea, you know, you don't do three solos in a row. Yeah. So let's not do three blue psych pieces in a row. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I could, he would give me the programming and I could go and say, Hey, these three pieces start with the center spot in the middle. He says, yep, they got to do it this time. Cause that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. But often he would go, now nah, you're right. Let's do this or do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just a holistic view of, of how things came to be in that system. And yeah, we had a lot of we had a lot of good people. David Finn came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hal Binkley came in. Robert mm-hmm. Brzezell was there. Yeah, uh, Bob Christian came back and did a couple of a uh, couple of works for us. Yeah, of course. Um, and then you know, as, as we got a little further on, uh, we picked up a piece from Bob Fosse's dancing. Oh, okay. And uh, that was the first time I had to do lighting archaeology. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, so I got to call Jules Fisher and say, hey, we're doing a little piece called Percussion 4 out of dancing. Yeah. And how is it lit? And he says, mm-hmm. well, i tell you what, I'm just going to send you the paperwork. Wow. And I was giddy. And yeah. uh, so yeah. it was, uh, you know, colors he used no longer in play, right? Right. Uh, instrumentation he used, eh, no longer in play. Yeah. Licos are Licos, Fresnels are Fresnels. Mm-hmm. It all it all goes together, but that that archaeology was fun. Did a lot of that when we started recreating older works. Yeah, yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, anytime you have to look at it, break it down, figure out how it's focused, figure out how it's cued, figure out why this color works with that color. That's the thing that opened my design eye. Yeah, and I think that's kind of how what my style came from is a lot of that dance stuff I was looking at. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you've got all these great lighting designers coming in and you're, you know, you're having to collaborate with them as far as getting their vision up. But then also you're bringing in older pieces that are lit by really fantastic lighting designers and you're having to break them down and sort of put them back together as best as you can in in your rig based on the original design. You learn so much about design from being a lighting director. It's just there's just no way around it. And if you don't think of it with the lens of design, if you only think about it in practicality, then you won't be a bad lighting director, but you won't, but you'll never be a great lighting director. Yeah. You can't just look at the cue sheet and bring up the side light to 50. Right. You have to know why it's coming up to 50 and, and what's yeah. it in relation to. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and with Hubbard, uh, the first 10 years or so, well, first eight, 10 years there, it was all house gear. Yeah. Uh, the venue would prehang. Yeah. In the morning, we'd come in for five hours to load our stuff in and focus. We'd follow up the next day for our queuing session. That's where yeah. I loaded all the queues into the console. And back then, there were tons of different consoles. So right. it, wasn't, it wasn't disc, <laughs> disc, disc. Yeah. I had to put together off of the, you know, I had a giant notebook of just track sheets. Mm-hmm, I had to put mm-hmm. it together every day. Yeah. And 
you know, you set the first dance and you go, oh, side light is a little dim here or we're a little farther off stage than normal. So sure. all of a sudden you're just doing all the math to go, I need 60% more here, 30% right. more there, take this down a little bit and constantly balancing things and doing that every day. Yeah. And not for the same dances, you know, rep company, sure. we would take 14 to 20 pieces out uh, on a tour and they would just all be jumbled together. Um, and uh, yeah, you just, I just wrote a lot of cues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I bet you drafted a lot of plots too. I did. I did. I drafted a lot of plots. <laughs> yeah, Hubbard would go out for two, three, four weeks at the most. We mm -hmm. do yeah, 10, 11, 12 stops. Yeah. We did that, uh, you know, in the fall and in the spring, summer, we do festivals. Mm -hmm. For a while there, I was just, you know, get the programming, crank the plot out, get the programming, crank the plot out, yeah. uh, do the hookup and instrument schedule all by hand. I was never a very pretty drafter, mm -hmm. but I could draw a plot that could say, dear electrician, this is how it should be hung. Which is an important skill that, you know, if you're, I, I see, particularly since we've gone digital, uh, I see a lot of light plots that are, uh, you know, I look at it and it's obvious to me that it's drafted by someone that's never been a production electrician. There's, you know, there's style and flair and there's a, a cracked border around the title block or whatever, but it's missing practical information. And I go like, oh, you missed something along the way. It can be pretty, but it also needs to be functional. Yeah, you know, it's like it needs to have color on it and it needs to have the channel on it. It needs to have the instrument number on it. Yeah. I, I don't need to put the dimmer number in. That's the electrician's thing, man. I don't sure. need to say this, you know, this is where the multi drops. That's 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 their job, right? Right. I need to give them the amount of information they need to answer all the questions they have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and move forward in a in a fast and efficient way. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of hand drawing. I learned about sepia drawings, how Binkley taught me about sepia drawings, where... Oh, interesting. It's a rep plot. Mm -hmm. 90 of the instruments are going to be the same, in the same place, do the same thing. Yeah. And hand-drawn symbols, I just drew out a bunch of Lico's and Fresnel's. Sure. But I started thinking, it's like, oh, I don't really need to draw a bunch of Lico's and Fresnel's. I can just mm -hmm. draw them all Lico's and then yeah. put different symbols in them to say, this is a Fresnel, this is a PC, uh, a Planet oh, Convex, yeah. this is a, a, an Altman. So a lot of the plot, uh, I, I drew blank. Yeah. And then we had a, a, a blueprint shop on the fourth floor right above us. Nice. And I would go get sepia prints made. Mm -hmm. So it went from vellum to sepia. Then I draw on the sepia, just fill in the you know, I didn't have to draw the, the, the line, the, the pipes or the side light towers or anything like mm -hmm. that. I just drew in specials. Yeah. And numbered it and labeled it and symboled it so that you knew it was a Klegel 1355 and not an Altman 360Q. Brilliant. A symbol is a symbol. It doesn't have to look like the light. It's just a graphical representation of a thing. Yep. Boy, that made my life that was I was in heaven when I didn't have to do that. <laughs> Still had to do hand drawn. Oh, hand printed hookups. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Until you know, until the the the, the beautiful thing called Lightrite comes about. Yeah, and I was in Lightrite. I got into it pretty early, and yeah. that developed with that. Love that. Yeah. Vectorworks comes along, and I 
started working with that. And mm-hmm. Steve Shelley comes along with his fancy symbols that aren't fancy at all. They're they're yeah. just a lot like the way that I used to draw. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, man, this is this has gotten really easy. Oh man. Yeah. And the data exchange too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And just about the time that that good stuff came along, uh, I stopped drawing plots for tour because that's when we picked up the lighting package. We had gotten to the point where yeah. we were were doing so many cities. Our rep had gotten bigger. Our plot had gotten bigger. Yeah, uh, it was starting. It was hard for for some uh, venues to to get everything in there. And also, yeah. we were taking up more of their time. Uh, yeah. Instead of a half day load in, we needed a full day load in. And yeah. no, it just wasn't efficient. So at that point, uh, we we made the decision, let's carry our own gear. Yeah. So we can move faster. Yeah. And there's a lot of great things about carrying your own gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of things that uh, drives you crazy about carrying your own gear. But <laughs> I, I'd rather do it than not. Just put it that way. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, so it got down to, you know, drawing one plot, mm-hmm. hanging it in the shop, throwing it in the truck, and off we go. Yeah, yeah. That's when I got really fast, uh, really fast focusing shows, just physically focusing lights, really yeah. fast uh, looking at cues. You know, I still always had my, my big book of track sheets out, but once sure. we started with our own package, mm-hmm. we had a, a base, you know, it was in the, it was in the board. Yeah. But every stop I would go back to the scratch disc. Yeah. Back to the original cues. Yes. As written, I'd never built onto the last show. Yeah. And even if we went back to a venue, mm-hmm. I never used the venue file from the last time. Oh, it was always the cue sheet, the, the, track sheets from when it was set by the original designer. Yeah. That's where I started. It just it just kept things clean. It kept the intent. Yeah. It seems non-intuitive not to build on something, but I, I it's just not the way I, I thought. I uh so you were at Hubbard Street for 14 years. Am I getting that right? Yeah, 14 years. Uh, 87 to 2001. Yeah, yeah. And when you started, you were the lighting director only, but uh, by the end of it, you were doing uh, production management and some stage management and the lighting direction. Yeah. 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 So long run there. Yeah. And I guess this is, is the beginning of why I do so many different things. Right. In a dance company, nobody does just one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Lighting director, master electrician. Sure. I'd always liked calling shows. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really trained ever as a stage manager. I listened to a lot of shows being called and just sort of through osmosis picked it up. Yeah. The first stage manager I worked with at Harbor Street was Jeff Hudgens, you know? Yeah. And he he called just the super tight show. And if you heard him on headset, you'd think he's standing there uh, just dug into the book. Mm -hmm. But he was backstage dancing, moving up and down, (laughs) left and right. I mean, that's how he translated his stuff. Mm-hmm. The technical stuff, he was right there with the dancers. Oh, interesting. He was great. Steve Sell called a super solid show. Yeah. Uh, very detailed. Jonathan Ledden, when he wasn't uh, looking at his Schwab account, called a really, really tight show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they all had different styles and different, mm-hmm. you know, Jonathan was uh, the, the most detailed paperwork you've ever seen, right? Yeah. But the the detail didn't get in the way of the fact that you still needed to 
feel what was happening on stage to call the cue in the right place. Yeah. It wasn't just like at 21, 20 on this step, you call it. It's like, right. this is why call it like that. Yeah. It goes back to design intent, you know, I, I, which to me is why a lot of lighting designers can make good stage managers if they have sort of the practical skill set, just because they're looking at a piece and understanding the design intent, right? And so when you're executing those cues, uh, you know, you can't, you can never just call it off the clock. I mean, in some pieces you have to because of the nature of them, but you have that timestamp, but you've, you've got to know the intent behind the cue that you're calling, yeah. right? Just the same way that you've got to know the intent behind the cue that you're recreating or that you're designing in the first place. Yeah, this is the why. This is why this cue is there. Yeah. And as a designer, if you don't have a why the cue is there, don't put the cue there. Yeah. Transferring my like cues to a good stage manager was always fun. Yeah. And I would say, this is what I'm thinking, but you've seen the dance more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the collaboration thing. A good stage manager will make lighting cues work better than than my thoughts sometimes. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's why it's important to take the time with them to help them understand the why, you know, you can't just write a bunch of cues and then say to them, like, the, you know, these are the timestamps because then they don't have the tools to do their job properly. Yeah. And, you know, again, a good lighting designer is going to lean on the stage manager anyway because they've been in rehearsal. They know the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was one thing that stuck with me when I, when I first started at Hubbard Street and you were the interim production manager, like the very first thing you had me do, you were like, listen, we're at the Harris Theater, like come in, sit down. There's a biscuit in the booth here. You're going to listen to April call the show. And I sat there and listened to her. April Clements, fantastic stage manager, head of props, uh, spent, I want to say 12 years there. And most of that was during my tenure. I listened to her call the show and like still to this day, if I ever have to call a show, I only feel comfortable doing it if I'm mimicking April and her cadence and the order in which she said things because she was Mrs. Consistency. Yeah. Yeah. She always said the same things in the same way to get the show started. And she kept the same inflection for each cue. There was never additional information in tone or, you know, she never apologized if she got something wrong. She just moved on. Right. Such a phenomenal stage manager. Yeah, that, that a lot of that, uh, the consistency in calling is, is from the stage manager's mind. It, mm -hmm. it helps me get into that cadence of, yeah. you know, the top show helps me get into that cadence. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my favorite type of cue to take as a board op is the go, no, Go. <laughs> okay, which which one? Where? Okay. So yeah, so to circle back, yeah. yes. Uh, after being at Hubbard Street for a long time, I I took on a lot of jobs. Yeah, some was just uh, uh, just wanted to learn more stuff. Right. So badge of honor or badge of stupidity? I'm not <laughs> sure. When I left in 2001, uh, Rick Carvelin took over my production manager spot. Okay. Uh, April Clemens took over my stage management spot. Mm -hmm. Ryan O'Gara took over my lighting spot. I was doing too much. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, while I was there, I also had a great electrician, a good assistant electrician, yeah. uh, super good carpenter. Yeah, I had a lot of good people around me to be able to do all of those things. Uh, I did all that for about three years. It certainly shortened my life there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. It was good. I got out of there. I got out of there alive. Mm -hmm. Over the years, went back 
from time to time when production managers uh, transitioned out. Yeah. Some of the best work I did was for Greg Eder. Uh, I was the advance electrician on the Italian tours. Yeah. Uh, it was so good because I'd load the show in and the crew would travel in and I'd hand it off to them and I'd head to dinner. Yeah. And I would travel the next day while they were doing the hard work in the show. Right. Yeah. Loaded in, have dinner. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was sweet. It was yeah. sweet. I got to do that in in Italy for them uh, uh, a few years back. Uh, that was great. Now, while you were at Hubbard Street, though, you were still you weren't designing for Hubbard Street a lot necessarily, but you were designing for other companies. Oh yeah, I, I was um, primarily uh, River North Dance yeah. Company. It was started by four dancers yeah. that were in the the corporate world of dance. Okay, and but they had already had a step, uh, you know, a foot in the the concert side of dance so they started this this company and then sherry dow or sherry zunker took over as the artistic director yeah and then a couple years later frank chavez who was a dancer at hubbard street yeah left and became assistant ad and eventually the ad co-ad with sherry so i had a a number of uh, tie-ins so i did a lot of work over there in their early years yeah I developed my skills at Hubbard, and and then mm-hmm. I sort of sort of developed my design aesthetic at River North. Yeah, and they were also a touring dance company. Right. Sure. So it had to it had to be small. It had to move fast. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good fit. Yeah, that makes sense. You've got a really great philosophy as far as like every design that you make for a piece. It's got to have a great first look something in the middle that's not terrible, and then a really great last look, because that's what people are going to remember. That might be the fact that I, I can't sit still for very long. But yeah, I, you know, <laughs> you want to give them, you want to you grab their attention. Yeah. The style of dance that River North was doing lent itself beautifully to that. They used a lot of mm-hmm. contemporary music, right? Single five-minute song, something sure. like that. Crisp, clean, no caffeine. Yeah. Striking look right out of the box. Uh, everything else in between was in support, as always, of the movement, the style. Yeah. And then leave them, you know, leave them with something they remember. But again, a lot of this dance uh, pop song with a button at the end, right? Uh, so obviously, you know, mm-hmm. put a button on it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I come at it from a really similar uh, vein as you do. If it needs a cue, I want it to be there. But I see a lot of young designers in particular, they will want to put a cue every possible opportunity that there's a place to put a cue so that they can show off the lighting. Yeah, I understand the the intent behind that. But if that's what you're doing, then to me, you're fundamentally doing it wrong. As you say, your cues have to be in support of the movement and the music and the visual vocabulary that you and the creative team are establishing and uh, more often than not particularly for a dance show uh, and in the sort of concert contemporary dance aesthetic it's about the choreography it's not about the lighting yeah nobody leaves the theater humming the lights (laughs) yeah 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 i mean my my approach is i'm practical right my approach is that um if i create a beast Mm -hmm. I'm going to be very happy with it on opening night. Yeah. 
if I go back to see it in two weeks on tour, I'm not going to be very happy with it. Yeah. Because it's going to, if I create something that's so hard to recreate on tour and that's, you know, that's a certain amount of, of what, what I was doing was working practically so that it could be recreated the same in every city. So yeah. nobody, nobody got a, a, a B show. It was not, there's not a like, oh, this is the A tour and this is the B tour. It's like, you got the A show where whatever type of theater. Yeah, yeah. That that goes back to Lou, right? You've talked about that before. You could fill books with the stuff that Lou taught me and I forgot, but <laughs> his aesthetic was clean. Uh, his his philosophy was great dancers, good music, simple design, go. Yeah. That informed a lot of what I did. You know, sometimes the best thing I could do for a light cue is make sure the legs were straight. Yeah. You didn't need a lot, but it all needed to be exactly where it should be exactly dressed the way it should be. Yeah, attended to. Yeah, if it's on stage, it had to look like you meant it to be there. Yeah. And now, a word from our sponsors. This episode of Talk About the Industry has been brought to you by me. That's right, it's just me. Literally. No fancy audio engineers, no sponsorship money from a lighting manufacturer, and certainly no trust fund to fall back on. Just an unemployed lighting designer sitting in my living room trying to find a way to keep myself from crying to sleep. So, if you're enjoying this podcast and thinking to yourself, how can I help Matt keep the darkness at bay? How can I help Matt keep the darkness at bay? Then why not consider sending an encouraging email to our official podcast email address, talkabouttheindustry at gmail.com. We'll accept such middle-of-the-road encouragement as, good job, or hang in there, buddy, or I'm surprised your podcast doesn't suck, or even... I almost finished the first episode. Why are they all so long? Literally anything will do. I'd just like to know if you're paying attention. Don't like the commitment of email? Yeah, I don't really like using email for stuff. Then consider using your thumbs to find us on Facebook and Instagram. Or you can give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast directory of your choice. It'll help make my mom real proud of me. Oh, that's sweet. That would be nice. Thanks again to the, I'm sure, dozens of you who are listening. And now, back to our show. So, uh, so as you were doing this, you also did some work for Colorado Ballet and a few other places. Uh, the School of Music at University of Nebraska, uh, where you met me. <laughs> you, know, you know, I was, I, I was, I was trying to create a career, you know, yeah. light, uh, worked for, for Colorado for a long time, did mm -hmm. four different versions of their Nutcracker because they moved from one theater to the next theater and back to the new theater. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, but you know, a lot, we were on tour. Hubbard was on tour. Yeah. And, and that's great. I liked it. That's where I wanted to be. I'm, I'm a roadhound. That's, that's what I do. Yeah. And uh, so gave up one thing for another. Sure. And then, yeah. So Laurel Shoemaker, mm -hmm. uh, she was at uh, University of Lincoln. She started teaching. She, out of the blue, we hadn't seen each other for a while. She says, hey, I'm, I'm designing an opera. You want to you wanna come and light it? Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> By now I'm doing, uh, uh, I transitioned over to uh, corporate work. 
Yeah. So I did, uh, uh, you know, we, we did a lot of together. Uh, yeah. Bill Shomas, was the, uh, uh, the director, we got along grandly. So I started, uh, coming in every so often yeah. and working. And, uh, I don't remember what year it is. Cause all those things dragged <laughs> together, but we were doing, um, uh, dead man walking. Yeah. 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 When she called me up and says, Hey, I'm designing this set and I want you to light it. By the way, it's got a ceiling. <laughs> yeah thanks for telling me before we built it so, you know, <laughs> yeah ceiling ceiling doesn't scare me yeah so yeah so uh that's where you know she says okay well i got this i got this student and mm-hmm. and, and the whole process of me going there was to slap a student next to me as an assistant right and yeah. just chat with them and and let them see that yes this person does lighting for a living does other things uh-huh. but He's in show business and he's made a living doing it without having to do other things. Yeah. Uh, which I think is really good for students to to understand that this is a career. This is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom does not have to be scared that you're going to move back into the house. If you work hard enough, you will make a career. So yeah, yeah. She says, yeah, I got, I got this kid. He's, he's not very bright, but I think you'll like him. <laughs> and there you were. And there I was. Yeah. There yeah. you were. I don't know what your haircut was back then, but, uh, <laughs> probably not a great one. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, college kid. Nah, that was, that was the first time we met. Yeah. Uh, we had a great week doing that show. It turned out well, had lots of good pictures. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I went back to Chicago. Yeah, I was so that was such a huge turning point for me. You know, I'd been doing summer stock in Wichita and I had been assisting David Neville, who's a fantastic lighting designer. Uh, you know, I wanted to move to Chicago and do storefront theater with uh, with my friends and colleagues who were leaving school and moving there. And David was like, well, I don't know anyone in Chicago, so call me when you move to New York. <laughs> and Laurel was uh, Laurel was teaching some adjunct classes. She hadn't yet taken over, uh, full time. That was a number of years after I left, but she heard that I was going to Chicago and she came up to me in the hallway one day and she said, um, you're moving to Chicago after, uh, you graduate, right? I said, yeah, that's the plan. She said, okay, that's great. Uh, you know, we're doing this opera and, uh, I'm bringing in a lighting designer from Chicago. And I was like, really, you are? And she was like, yes, you're going to want to assist him, aren't you? And I, uh, uh-huh, yes, ma'am. Yes, I will. You know, <laughs> so that, that week was so, was so pivotal. I, I wouldn't want to, uh, think about what kind of career I'd have if I'd never met you because you opened so many doors for me and taught me so much, uh, particularly the first few years of my career. Because after we did that show, I didn't screw it up too much. But then I moved to Chicago and you threw me a couple of smaller gigs. And then you're the one that got me in the door at Hubbard Street. Right time, right place Yeah, is often how I got my work. And then once I got it, boy, I didn't let go of it. I worked as hard as I could, as fast as I could. Yeah. But, yeah. You, know, you know, you, we, we got along. That was one thing that was, that's always good in an assistant or anybody you're working with. You know, yeah. you were... Oh, a fully formed human being <laughs> yeah. that had uh, manners and, and perspective. And yeah. you can thank your mom and dad for that. I do. <laughs> um, you weren't scared. You remember that little car we had that Laurel designed? Yeah. Uh, we needed, I needed to make it look like it was driving through the forest. And right. so I, I said, Hey, make me an effect. And that looks like this over here. And, 
uh, I'll be back. Yeah. And I walked away. Yeah. And instead of, you know, clutching your pearls, you jumped right in. Yeah. Like, okay, he's, he's, he's willing. Yeah. He's, he's open. So, uh, we didn't use the queue. No. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been 2008. We did that show in the spring because it was just before the housing market shit the bed. Yeah. The, so the timing on that, uh, the housing market shit the bed, the, uh, Corporate industry, boy, took a big hit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, things really, really dried up. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for the last production manager, mm-hmm. but fortunately for me, yeah, Hubbard Street ended up needing a, a production stage manager for a little while. So yeah. I uh, told my guys that I worked for in the corporate world, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go work here for a while, and they said, "Good, because <laughs> we're not going to need you for a while." <laughs> You know, I had gone back uh, to do a tour here and a tour there. Yeah. But that was really, uh, that was a point of time when I, I stayed, uh, went back and stayed for almost a year. I think it was eight months, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was a while. But yeah, so I got back there and and said, hey, you want to do some dance? You came over and off we went. Yeah, yeah. And we did some interesting projects while we were there. Yeah. You know, Azra Barton created a work. Right. Uh, that that was really nice. And uh, we had a, a 2752 Killian piece came in that had a lot of pieces and parts and things. Yeah. So that, that was fun to put together. That was a, a, a really informative time for me. I started as uh, sort of your assistant. Uh, I think it was a production coordinator and I was touring the second company, uh, but I got to assist the main company as well. And so, you know, I remember following you around during a load in with the main company and just like, writing down everything that was happening, uh, everything that you were doing, everything the crew was doing and trying to like dissect and study how the load in was going so that I could sort of analyze it and then try to recreate it on my own. Uh, I just, I learned so much in, in the period of, of less than a year. And then they hired a new production manager and I became a lighting director and sort of, uh, the rest is history, so to speak, but it's most definitely because of not just your you helping me uh, get that opportunity, but also essentially having you know six eight months to to train me on how to light and tour dance. That training has has informed the the rest of my career. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you like dance. I think you know if you've never done dance, once you do it, you never don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I I told him I'll I'll come back for eight months, but you're gonna have to replace me. So I saw you and said, you know what? This is going to be the guy that replaces me on lighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it worked out really well for me. Yeah, it did. Uh, and I look, I look back on that time period really fondly. Um, but that's not the only thing that we uh, got a chance to work on uh, working on the Chicago Dancing Festival with you. That was such a huge. It was a ten year project essentially. Yeah, it was a one year project that we did ten times. <laughs> right. That was another excellent sort of culmination of all the things that I do yeah being out of out of the not-for-profit world and in the corporate world coming back to the not-for-profit world and and adding you know adding that thought process to it yeah you know the 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 best thing that happened mm-hmm. was I had uh, a fantastic artistic staff yeah and executive producer yeah on the finance side. Yeah. So Lar Lubovich and Jay Frankie were the artistic directors. Yeah. Uh, David Harrow was the uh, executive producer. Yeah. 
head of the board, the board for a long while. Yeah. The, the three of them created this thing. It was a dance festival in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was called the Chicago Dancing Festival. Yeah. Because it really focused on the dancing. Yeah. They just wanted to bring in uh, a variety of different companies. Yeah. That showed off great dancing. Mm-hmm. And do it for free. Yeah. I, the way I got the gig was I had worked with Jay Frankie yeah. at Hubbard Street Dance. I had worked with Laura a hundred years back in North Carolina Dance Theater, right. but I never really ran across him. He never really ran across me. Yeah. When they were choosing a production manager, mm-hmm. Jay really pushed for me. Yeah. Laura said, okay, I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> I never worked with Lar, but mm-hmm. so we we sat down, we had a couple of, you know, we we had a couple of talks on the phone. Yeah. The the idea was look, you you do the artistic and I'll make that happen, but I'm never not going to tell you what I think. Good, bad, or otherwise, you're gonna know my opinion. Yeah. And he said, Great, because you're gonna hear mine. <laughs> as long as it's all up front and out out there, great. It wasn't confrontational. No. It was like, I need to tell you what I'm thinking and how I'm doing stuff and the decisions I'm making and what I think about your decisions yeah. so that we can come to an agreement. Yeah. If we disagree and you still want to do it, then I'm going to tell you this is the impact financially uh, or programmatically yeah. or stagehand-wise. Yeah. And if you still want to do it, I'm going to go all out and do it. Yeah. So the first year we were at uh, the Pritzker Pavilion mm-hmm. and uh, we didn't know if anyone was going to show up. Right. And uh, almost 10,000 people showed up for a yeah. dance show. Yeah. Yeah. A, a rock show like or as close as, to a rock show as I've been in for dance. Yeah. So off we went. Year two, we got a little bigger. Year three, we got a little bigger. So mm-hmm. we started at the Pritzker with six companies. Yeah. But that sort of relationship that we started first on, always being honest, always being upfront, mm-hmm. uh, th- was the reason that it worked. Yeah. One year we did, uh, you know, five shows in four venues in five days. Yeah. Not sure how we did it, but it was. <laughs> but we got there. <laughs> we did some really good stuff. We did shows in thunderstorms. Yeah. Uh, I miss it. I'm glad it's done, and I miss it. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I miss it too. That was uh, a really, a really special uh, time period. I think. Let's talk a little bit about your work for HMS Media and lighting for camera, because you've won Emmys, uh, lighting uh, shows for television, which, because you're a polite person and you don't like to talk about yourself. People like Laurel and I have to bring up <laughs> because you won't. <laughs> I think you said that your relationship with HMS Media started while you were lighting for River North, right? I don't know exactly how it started, but it started a long, long, long time ago. Yeah, I knew of them. We knew of each other. They were they were growing. Mm-hmm. Both Matt Hoffman and Scott Silverstein, the two principals there, love the arts, right? Yeah. They want to support the arts every every way they can, and yeah. they they love dancers and. So what they were doing for River North mm-hmm. when I met them was making a booking tape. Yeah. A booking tape is like a show reel. Yeah, sure. But they, they wanted to make it specific and they, they wanted it to all look the same. So they, mm-hmm. we went to the 
Columbia College, the old dance center. Yeah. Lovely space. So they brought in three cameras and they were doing portions and parts of repertory yeah. to put together the reel to send out to booking agents to get jobs to tour. Sure. And I showed up and we all knew each other. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just started lighting, turning on some lights here and there, moved a the light over there, mm-hmm. just trying to make it look good. Didn't, you know, just trying to make it look good for dance. Yeah, right? sure, sure. And then uh, Matt Hoffman's like, hey, what'd you do? I said, well, I turned this up. Come here and look at this. Mm-hmm. I came in over and looked at the the monitor. He says, that looks really good. Do more of that. <laughs> yeah. So in the process of doing this, I don't want to say mundane, but a very technical, very specific driven yeah. project, we just started messing around and started lighting. Mm-hmm. And it ended up looking great. Yeah. And the, the company took off and they were very popular. Yeah. And HMS said, you know what? we can make a TV show about this company. Yeah. Lo and behold, they developed a TV show and I came in and I lit it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the first time I lit for camera. Yeah. Really seriously. Mm -hmm. And again, this is how lucky I am. The first (laughs) time I lit for camera, I won a Chicago Midwest Emmy for it. (laughs) Nice. And, you know, and I didn't know I was lighting for camera. I was just, I was lighting the stage, but I wasn't looking at the stage. I was looking at, the monitor. Yeah. Just make it look good in the monitor. I didn't know anything about color temperature. Yeah. I didn't know anything about depth of field. Didn't know anything about that stuff. I just said, that looks good. Yeah. We shot the whole thing in one day. Wow. That started a long relationship with them. Yeah. We went ahead and did two more River North specials, uh, dance, uh, dance specific, uh, uh, jump rhythm jazz, another dance project. Yeah, sure. Uh, they, they had a, you know, Scott knows everybody. Yeah. WTTW wanted arts programming. So it just, it just fell into place really nicely. Yeah. I'd like to do it every day. Yeah. We've done, I think I counted up yesterday, uh, like 15 of these specials over the years. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to be able to assist you or program on a couple of them. I, I agree with you. I I want to do it every day. It's the to me, it's the perfect fusion of lighting for camera, which is interesting and exciting, but lighting a theatrical show. I think the thing that we all do really well together yeah. is take a live show, yeah, transfer it and make it look good for television. Yeah. I mean, one thing that you definitely taught me, and I think it's why you're why you've won awards and why your work on camera is so good, is that good lighting is good lighting period. Like good, good stage lighting will make good camera lighting, but the intent is different. When you're lighting for camera, you're laser focused in on the monitor. And does the monitor have a complete picture? Whereas on stage, you're only, you know, for a live audience, you're only worrying about what the human eye can see. Right. So it's a different approach. It's point, it's point of view. Yeah. When, when you light for the stage, you try to compose a full picture mm-hmm. and the 300 people out front, they get to look at the picture any place they want. Yeah. Right. So the whole thing has got to be composed in a manner that works for 300 people that you don't know where they're looking. Right. These things we're usually doing seven cameras. Mm-hmm. So I have seven points of view. They're all distinctly different. Yeah. They're looking at everything all the time. Yeah. The other thing I like about HMS is they've, they, you know, first off, Matt, Hoffman is a great director. Yeah. He really gets dance and the motion and the movement of it. Mm -hmm. And the camera team that they've had has been the same 
basic camera team for a lot of years and we've done a lot of work together. So, you know, you get a multi-view and you look at all the cameras, right? but then I can go talk to Matt. We kind of know, have a shorthand. We know how we're, we're thinking about shooting it. Mm -hmm. Then go talk to the specific camera guys. And if I think, Hey, that light up there comes on at this sign, you can take that and ride the beam up. Yeah. But then, uh, when you start looking at what they're doing, it's like they see stuff I never even thought was there. Yeah. This nice relationship we have together, they make my stuff look so much better. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is just, I'm trying to give them as much stuff to play with as possible. Yeah. You just learn by doing, and I love doing that. Yeah. And we've been fortunate. We've been fortunate to work on really good shows. Yeah, so. that's that's also part of it. You've done a number of things under the street lamp. You've done a number of specials for them. Also, uh, Chicago Voices, right? Yeah, Chicago Voices was was uh, in conjunction with the Lyric Opera. Yeah. For me, that had a nice sort of tie-in from my early years. Sure. So when I was a long, I was really young uh, in high school. I went to see a concert at University of South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, and it this little folk music festival and I don't remember anybody on it except one guy it was John Prine wow I don't play an instrument I'm not musical but he tells stories yeah at the time I saw it I didn't even know I was going to be in this business it was just it was just a moment yeah but then over the years I'd gone to the you know gone to see him mm-hmm. have all his music and then when I found out that John Prine was going to be in this show. Oh. I circle. Yeah. It was great. Highlight of my career, really. Yeah, that's a really great moment. It's so funny. Uh <laughs> it's so funny what we stumble into sometimes, you know? <laughs> yep. Uh he came in later in the day, you know, his band did all the sa- sound checks, line checks, yep. did all that. He came in quick sound check. Uh, at that point, he was uh, uh, pretty fragile uh, after uh, battling, uh, I think it was cancer. Yeah. You know, and I, we were out front lighting as fast as we could. Right, sure. Troy Fujimura was my oh, uh, program. Great programmer. A better partner you can't find, really. Yeah. So I, I didn't really get to meet him, but that that was okay. I got to light him. Yeah, yeah. And a fun, a fun little fact, uh, he won uh, Chicago Emmy for Best Performer. Uh, for that show, and I that was got to win my fourth Emmy for lighting that show. So, me and John won an Emmy at the same year, same <laughs> show. Oh, and that's when I retired. Yeah, right. It was a nice show. I want to talk briefly about uh, you spend a lot of your career uh, show calling uh, in the corporate sector. I want to talk briefly about your relationship with uh, Center Stage and how how that started i met bruce holland uh he's one of the principals of center stage uh olivia liska he's the other principal at center stage mm-hmm. uh bruce was at uh, governor state yeah um is a theater that harbor street used to go into uh at that time he was the the technical director down there mm-hmm. so we would go down for a week we'd make new work there because it's you know 20 miles south of us so we got to know each other a little bit mm-hmm. And he, he just said, yeah, I'm, I'm starting, I'm starting a business, uh, lighting design services business, you know, this, that, and the other. Yeah. 
And then each year I went down to Governor State, he would remind me that's what he was doing. Yeah. And as he put it, when you're ready to come over to the dark side, <laughs> let me know. Yeah. It was good timing. I, I yeah. had done what I could at Hubbard and I was ready to new learn learn new stuff. Yeah. Primarily, uh, Hubbard Street was never going to put a moving light on stage during my years there. Yeah. And I, I, I was getting behind and I needed to learn how to do that. Yeah. So I went over to center stage as a, as a hopeful lighting designer for the corporate industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found out that there were lots of good people. Uh, John Maravich was one. Troy yeah. Fujimura was one. Yeah. Uh, Olivier is a great lighting designer. John Miller, great lighting designer. Yeah. Uh, they all had to work before I could because they were better than I was. Right. Sure. I, I worked enough. Yeah. But Bruce also knew I was a, a, a stage manager, mm-hmm. a show caller, production manager. Yeah. Uh, so he sort of said, "Hey, why don't why don't you do this for me?" Yeah. So yeah. So that's how that's how I kind of transitioned. Uh, yeah. Been working, you know, freelance with them forever. They brought me lots of great places. Yeah. Gave me lots of opportunities, and that's really kind of where I, I just started. Uh, sort of shaping myself as a show caller stage manager. And again, I like I said earlier on, I like I like working with teams. I like having a group of people trying to put together something. Right. You know, we win together, we lose together. Some sometimes it's I won't say mundane, but simple. Uh, a lot of it is cookie cutter, rinse and repeat. Yeah, sure. And then sometimes it's on the edge of your seat looking over the cliff at a thousand miles an hour. And you still have to <laughs> Both shows you have to go at the same way. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd love to talk a little bit about uh, two or three subjects that, uh, two in particular, that you've really offered some good advice to me over the course of my career that I'd like to to ask you about. Uh, one of them is, uh, as you like to put it, how to how to get the job, keep the job. You know, like what do you what do you look for in a colleague, and how do you and how do you try to act as a collaborator on a team like that. I don't, I don't work with a lot of young kids, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, I don't see a lot of people. I don't do a lot of hiring when I do hiring. What, when I do hire, yeah, I always hire people way smarter than me. Always. <laughs> yeah. You, you're just going to win, right? When I'm sitting on a project and I'm the dumb guy at the table, I love it. Cause I'm going to learn <laughs> way more than everybody else. Yeah. What, what, what do you tell a, a young, uh, a young person coming up mm-hmm. again? One of those things is, who you know gets the first job, yeah. but what you know, what you know and how hard you work and how polite you are and how much you listen, mm-hmm. that's, that's going to make people want to work with you again. Yeah. The skill set that's kept me in the game, so to speak, it, they're, they're all like, you know, dumb things that your parents tried to teach you, right? Showing up on time, saying please and thank you, uh, not being a dick. If somebody's having trouble in the truck, like put your hand on the, on the road case, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and a lot of that, I was sort of inherent in my personality, but also a lot of that I learned from, from you and from watching you early in my career. Yeah. You know, be a human first, be everything else second, right? You know, yeah. you're a, you're a lighting designer, but you're a human first and you're going to be talking to that human who, you know, I, I, and this is terrible. People that know me from my earlier career are going to say, you were an asshole. It's like, <laughs> that's what I was. Uh, you know, I, I, I had that whole sort of road guy, house guy mentality, mm-hmm. road show coming in, bull in a china shop sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I took me far too long to learn 
that does not work. And if you're a happy, fun time guy instead of complaining old grumpy road guy, mm-hmm. it just makes everybody's day better. Yeah. And I learned it late. Well, it took, I didn't learn it late. It took me a longer time to learn it than most. Yeah. Um, and uh, my blood pressure went down <laughs> daily. I could feel it. It just made everything better. Yeah. Everything better. I, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, work-life balance and fiscal responsibility too, because those are also things that you've peppered into your advice to me over the years. I think those two things in particular are lost on a lot of younger designers and technicians. Uh, it's a career that's tough to have a work-life balance in and also a career that it has a lot of financial ups and downs, right? So to me, it's it's important to try and approach both of those in a healthy manner. Yeah, work-life balance, they both have four letters in them. That's about as balanced as sometimes it gets. But <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this, and I'll go back to it. Show business in general yeah. is a lifestyle. It's a career, but it's a lifestyle, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, or, or it can be. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do anything else. Yeah. Uh, even on my bad days, they're better than, uh, uh, they're better than most. Right. Yeah. It's one of the things I liked about you and you, you said, oh, I didn't want to, you know, I found out you're a writer, right? Yeah. You write. Yeah. But you didn't tell me. I just found out you were a writer because you didn't want to tell me. You thought, I don't know what you thought. Oh, I thought that, that you would think I wasn't serious about lighting if you knew that I was also, you know, writing plays and short stories. You know, I was worried about that. The fact that you write and have something else to do besides lighting yeah. uh, is the best balance in the world. You got to do something else besides this when you're not doing this. Yeah. I got lucky uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I met my life partner working as she was a dancer. Mm-hmm. We toured together for many of the 14 years I was at Hubbard Street. It makes all the difference in the world that we came up together yeah. in show business because now she's uh, retired from dancing. I mm-hmm. uh, had a career in medical sales. Her name is Sandy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> she now works uh, as a respiratory therapist at Rush Hospital. I-, I know a little bit about her days and she knows a little bit about my days. And when I'm on tour and out and about, thank God for texting and cell phones because right. I can just shoot her a text. Yeah. I may not be able to sit down and talk for an hour right, right now, but right. I can shoot her a text and she can understand. Yeah. This is the show day or this yeah. is load in or he's traveling. And uh, that, that takes a lot of, you know, the understanding there, it takes a lot of heat off of things. So. Yeah. 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 It also helps that Sandy's a phenomenal person was an incredible dancer, danced with Hubbard street and Twyla Tharp for a number of years. And, uh, is also just like generally a fantastic human being. <laughs> yeah. Know? She's, she is certainly the definition of the better half in, <laughs> in, this, in this world, for sure. Um, one thing that we've also talked about through the years, uh, fiscal responsibility, uh, seems kind of like a, a dry topic, but I guess I wanted to bring it up because you are one of the stronger influences as far as just like how to negotiate a day rate, but also talking about like what to do with your money, just in a really general sense, right? I think it's an important topic for anyone that's starting a career or coming out of undergrad to just have an understanding that like, you know, saving money is something that you need to do. What they don't teach you in art school, 
back when I was around. Mm-hmm. The yeah, I want to teach you the business side of show business. You know, business is the bigger word of the two. So you got to have some sense to it. Mm-hmm. I'm still bad at it, and <laughs> I still don't know what I'm worth or or don't know how to ask things. But you know, uh, as as far as the day rate goes, mm-hmm. you do research, you see what other people are doing. My theory behind the day rate is. I don't need to make the, exactly the same money as everybody else. I need to be, I need to make the money that makes me feel respected yeah. and worthwhile for that job for that day. Yeah. So if somebody, you know, if somebody else standing next to me is making 50 bucks more a day, you know what? I agree to it. I'm good with it. Sure. I don't care. It, it's what it is today. Off we go. Sure. Uh, my, my dad taught me, my dad was born in 1929. He grew up through, through the depression. Mm. He's very frugal is the nice word to put it. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> he taught me a few things. Uh, he taught me is like, uh, do you need it or do you want it? Right. I ask that question about everything. Every time I put money down, Yeah. do I need it or do I want it? Yeah. Right. Uh, the other thing you taught me is, you know, you do 10 hours of work for eight hours of pay. Mm. You make yourself valuable to the employer. Uh, I also think, uh, you know, in terms of day rates, I, I think a, a super high day rate once isn't as good as a moderate day rate three times. Yeah. It never is. Yeah. And the older I get, the more I want to get paid so I can work less, right? That's just because <laughs> yeah. I'm tired. But uh, again, I, I, I like to work, so sure. I, I, don't, I don't need to be the, the highest paid guy. I need to be fairly paid. Mm-hmm. Book early, book often is the theory. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing popped on me was, um, you know, you get out there, you get your first job, you're you're eating and uh, you're making it and you're paying the rent and you're living where you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. The first raise you get, uh, you take all that money and you start investing it. Yeah. You save it, save it for your six months worth of, of holy crap, there's a pandemic. I need yeah. to pay my rent. <laughs> uh, and once you get that part, then you start putting away a little bit for retirement. Mm-hmm. It's common sense stuff. Yeah. I think we're seeing right now with, with COVID-19 that like free uh, freelancing in particular, and you know, you've done it for, for most of your career at this point, it's, it's, there are highs and lows, right? Feast or famine. And that's going to change month to month. It's going to change year to year. You have to understand that uh, if you're booking a lot of work in a row, that's great, but it's not always going to be like that. When I first started freelancing, I thought the job I was doing was always going to be the last job that anyone was <laughs> ever going to hire me for, ever. <laughs> yeah. It took 10 long years mm-hmm. before I realized this one isn't going to be the last job because you've got three jobs lined up already. Right. And the third job is probably, uh, calm down. <laughs> Sandy was also like, shut up. <laughs> You're going to get tired. You're doing this for enough time. Uh-huh. Diversity of skills is something that helped me out uh, in 2007, 2008 when, yeah. when housing went to, went to hell. Mm-hmm. I could do different things. Yeah. Uh, but I could also uh, light a show and call a show. Not right. a big one. Right, right, sure. But, the, you know, there's plenty of shows out there that, that are a stage wash and a couple of uplights. Right. Now, geez, I don't know what we're doing because 2007, 2008, there was still an industry. Right. It wasn't going crazy, but there was still something out there. Someone was making money doing shows. Right. I don't even know what now. 
it's it's a uh, it's just a big question mark right now. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, you know, Churchill said we're at the end of the beginning, or the yeah, we're at the end of the beginning. So yeah. this is gonna this is gonna last a little bit longer. Yeah, who cares about politics of it all, right? Right. We've got to do the things we know distancing and washing hands and staying away from people right. until we understand scientifically more about this. Right. Yeah. But we also have to work. So yeah. March 13th was my last gig, right? Yeah. March 14th was mine. Yeah. <laughs> and I was sitting in San Francisco on a show and the crew was on headset. Mm-hmm. Our phones were, email were blowing up. Just show, cancel, 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 cancel. Yeah. Uh, we were just sitting there doing a show, watching, watching it go away in real time. Right. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not smart enough to know what we're going to do next, mm-hmm. but we're going to do meetings again. Yeah, sure. We're gonna. We just don't know when. Yeah. I think a lot of stuff is going to be a hybrid from here on out. Yeah. There's going to be a certain amount of people that don't want to travel ever again. There's going to be a certain amount of people that start working remotely, and that's all they do. So yeah. yeah. I realized on March 13th that hey. I cannot do anything. All my skills require a group of people in a room <laughs> and not a crew. Yeah. I need three or 400 people sitting and watching the thing I'm putting on stage. I need those people back. Yeah. And it'll, it'll happen. It's just a sure. matter of how we weather, weather now. Well, this has been so fun. Uh, we should probably wrap it up. I, uh, I've just, Thank you for agreeing to the interview. Thank you for all you've done for me over the course of my career. And and I look forward to more. It's been really great to to do this with you. And hopefully uh, <laughs> in not too long of a time period, we'll be able to actually have a drink together in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for, thanks for thinking of me of doing this. Uh, you know, you're one of my faves. I am certain that one day I am going to be hanging on to your coattail. <laughs> asking for work. So there you go. Baby. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. And keep doing this. I, the, the other stuff I've been listening to fascinating, uh, fascinating people, you know, thanks. Thanks. Well, I appreciate you saying that I, before we sign off, I want to talk a little bit about where people can find you. Um, you do have a, a portfolio website, a great website. Uh, it's TLC L I G H T. So TLC light. Mm-hmm. Dot com. That's it. Uh, I don't have a very large media footprint. Mm-hmm. I've been extraordinarily lucky in uh, that most of my work comes referral. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've never had to. Although I'm thinking about uh, starting an Instagram just to put some visual thoughts up. Yeah, yeah. Put it out there. It's like, hey, this is what I like to look at. Yeah. Pictures of rusty bolts and some clamps. <laughs> Well, that's great. I'll put a link to your website in the show notes. Um, thanks. And uh, uh, thanks again for being here and uh, hope to see you on the other side of this. Thank you. This has been another episode of Talk About the Industry. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Thanks for listening. If you liked this podcast, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to share them with me directly at talkaboutheindustrypodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to find out more about Todd and his work, please visit tlclight.com. That's T-L-C-L-I-G-H-T dot com. 
Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Talk About the Industry.